Tyler, I'm Ken Cruz, author of Dad Bod, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 242, 2022, the year in pop culture. Chris McBride along with Derek Myers and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Welcome to season eight of our little podcast around here. Hard to believe we've been doing this for seven years already, isn't it, Derek? Yeah, it's craziness. Oh man. And this time out, we're going to be taking a look back at the year 2022 from a pop culture perspective. Some of the movies, TV shows, and music from the year, and we'll also do a memoriam of the celebrities that we lost last year. But before we get to our retrospective of the year that was in 2022, what pop culture were you able to take in over the holidays, Derek? Well, knowing that we like to keep these shows to about an hour, I'm not going to give you the full list. <laughs> Please not. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think you can hold me to five minutes because there are a few things. I'm going to try and be as quick as I can. Some of these things I'll just run down the list. I won't really talk about. But I had a chance to watch a lot of stuff. Uh, we haven't done a show in a few weeks. I was off for Christmas break, so I had some downtime. Okay. Um, some things good, some things bad. And then I actually have three different documentaries that I'll, I'll talk a little bit about in more detail at the end. So... Um, I'm just going to go to sort of run down the list and, and I'll just tell you what I think of it and like good, bad or otherwise. And then if I want to go into a little more detail, I will. So in, in, these are in no particular order, but they're sort of in the order that I watch them. So, um, the first thing going way back, I had a chance to watch black Adam, which is part of the DC comic movie universe starring the rock. It was not great, but it was not terrible. It was entertaining. Uh, I mean, I think I've said this before. I like The Rock as an entertainer. Mm-hmm. He's not going to win an Oscar, but I always find I have a good time when I watch his movies. So I gave it a shot. We got it on HBO Crave. It didn't cost me anything extra. It was fine. I would is, go out of my way to see it, but if it's on and there's nothing else, give it a try. Is Black Adam a uh, superhero? Well, is that what it is? He's sort of the villain of the Shazam story. So it's it's basically a continuation of the Shazam movie. Again, I don't really know the character that well. So that was part of the reason I want to watch the movie was to see sort of how it all tied together. Let me ask you this question. Who is your favorite superhero of all time? It's got to be Batman. Yeah. You know who mine is? if she's from the dc world or if she's from the marvel universe i don't know from the they, dc oh yep. dc well there you go so just like black adam you know there's there's one woman so there we anyway. go all right um had a chance to watch a whole bunch of things on a streaming uh like full seasons of shows so netflix dropped a whole bunch of stuff that i had a chance to watch uh again i won't go into too much detail i watched a series called the recruit it's about a young lawyer who gets recruited into the cia and then quickly finds himself in sort of both hilarious and dangerous circumstances it's a very light 
sort of show. It's not doesn't take itself too seriously. It was pretty good. Um, I would say probably like a C plus B minus. Uh, it ends sort of on a little bit of a cliffhanger, and I'm pretty sure they're going to pick it up for season two. And then on the other end of that spectrum, I had a chance to watch Jack Ryan season three on Amazon, uh, which is based on the Tom Clancy books, which has already had two seasons before this. I like Jack Ryan season three. It's a little more serious and hardcore. I actually like season two a lot better, uh, but this one was still pretty good. Probably, again, around a B. Um, so those two, two spy shows. And then a third spy show I saw was called, sorry, I got a long list thing called treason on Netflix. And it stars, um, Charlie Cox who plays daredevil in the Marvel universe, uh, along with a couple other people who I sort of recognized, but didn't know the names of it's only five 30 minute episodes. So it ran by or five 35 minute episodes. It ran by pretty quick and it was pretty decent. Again, I'd probably give it about a B. Um, I, the, one of the great movies that I watched over the holidays was the um, Knives Out uh, sequel called Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery with uh, Daniel Craig and a star-studded cast of, of guest performers. It was really, really good. If you watched the first Knives Out and you liked it, definitely check this one out. Uh, it's similar but different. So I know some people that watched the first Knives Out, didn't care for it, but have watched the sequel and actually really liked it. It's very tongue-in-cheek, um, but it's also got that sort of whodunit feel where the first half of the movie lays everything out, and then the second half of the movie, you start to see it from slightly different perspectives. So you get to see some of the same scenes again, but the curtain has been pulled back. Think sort of Sixth Sense. Once you know the secret and you go back and watch the movie, all the clues are there, except they sort of the movie is built around showing you all this stuff through the second half of the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. It was quite good. I really liked it. Strong recommendation for me on that one. I would give it a solid A. Cool. Um, had a chance to watch a series that dropped on Netflix called Kaleidoscope. Uh, this one is about a bank heist and it's eight episodes. And the, the gimmick of this one is that you can watch episodes one through seven in any order you want. Uh, some of them take place days or weeks before the heist. Some of them take place many years before the heist. And each episode sort of introduces a different character and you sort of explore their motivation for why they're on the crew. But as long as you wait and watch the last episode last, that's the one where they actually do the heist. Apparently, the show will work. It was decent, but I found it was a little bit slow. So I would say with that one, I'd probably give it sort of that B minus C plus sort of score. But uh, it's again, it's been very popular. Um, had a chance to watch Andor, the Star Wars series on Disney Plus. I had not watched it when it came out. I wanted to wait for all the episodes to drop. I had heard a lot of great things. It was a number one show on a lot of top 10 lists. So I went in with exceptionally high expectations. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I think, again, because the expectations were so high, I was unrealistically expecting it to be the most amazing thing I ever watched. It was good. Uh, again, I'd probably give it an A-. minus. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, give it a shot. It's it's quality. It's, it's basically a story in the Star Wars universe that doesn't talk about Jedis and magic and stuff. It's basically like a, like a crime story, uh, like, um, you know, so it, it – you don't even really have to like Star Wars or be into Star Wars to watch this. The only sort of, quote, Star Wars-y thing is um, they have some scenes with spaceships in outer space and it takes place on two or three different planets. But even that, that's not really a part of the story. It's really the story is about the uprising of the rebellion that is happening when the first Star Wars movie takes place. So, so it's not Endor where the Ewoks of it's Andor. Andor, which is the character's mm -hmm. name. And okay. It's been picked up for season two, and apparently at the end of season two, it'll bring you right up to the point of the Rogue One movie. 
So this takes place before Star Wars Rogue One, which takes place just before Star Wars, the original Star Wars 1977, now called A New Hope. So, um, but yeah, it, it has nothing to do with, you don't need to know any of the Star Wars lore. It doesn't reference Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, none of that stuff. It's not guys with lightsabers. It's it's the evil empire and, and you know, that's sort of consistent, but uh, no, it was quite good. Um, just a couple more movies real quick. I had a chance to watch two movies from the eighties that I had never seen before that I had on my PVR that were taking up room. One stars Robert Redford It's called legal Eagles. Have you ever seen that one, Chris? I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with it. It was okay. Also starring Deborah Winger, Deborah Winger um, yeah. and uh, Daryl Hannah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was okay. I mean, it, it's an eighties movie and, uh, I liked it. It wasn't like awesome, but it was fun to go back and watch it. And Robert Redford, my God, was he good looking when he was a young man. Um, but he's like in his mid forties in that movie and he still looks amazing. I also saw another one from the eighties starring Kevin Costner called American flyers about uh, two brothers that are in a bike race. Like a think like tour de France, except there are equivalent bike races in the U S and it takes place in the mid eighties. It was really good. I didn't really know much about it, but I thought, ah, I'll give this one a try. I really liked it. Um, but again, probably because I ride a bike, so I, I could relate to some of it, but it was pretty decent. Um, had a chance to watch a brand new movie on Netflix called White Noise with, um, oh my God, I'm black. Uh, Adam Driver, is that his name? The guy who was Kylo Ren in the new mm-hmm. Star Wars movie. Yeah, he was in the uh, show Girls. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting a lot of critical praise for his performance, but my God, this movie was terrible. Like a solid F, thumbs down. It's apparently, it's based on a very popular book that came out in the late 80s, early 90s. I didn't care for it. My wife and I watched it and after two hours sort of looked at each other and like, did we just waste two hours of our life? Yeah, no, it pfft, super stinker, two mm-hmm. thumbs down. Um, and then uh, last, the last thing I, uh, last sort of regular thing I had was uh, I watched The White Lotus season two, which was excellent. Uh, I really liked season one. I actually like season one a little better than season two, but um, season two was quite strong as well. And uh, there's a huge payoff in the last couple of episodes. So if you're like a lot of my friends, we're like, well, I didn't really think the first episode was that good. Trust me. Each episode gets better than the one before it. So so tough it out. I think it's only seven episodes. So it was it was very strong. And it just won a whole bunch of awards at the Golden Globes last night. So mm-hmm. I yeah, just wanted to I, mention to you, yeah. by the way, because it's our first episode of season eight, we're being generous and you're not on the clock. Yeah, no, I, I, been I buzzed knew, there's no way ago. I was going to, um, I was going to catch it. You've so then I had, time. and then I had three documentaries for you. For 40 days and 40 nights, watch documentaries, he likes to learn about the world, it's Derek's documentaries, Derek's documentaries. Oh, please tell us about the documentaries. All right. So the first one I watched was on the documentary channel and it's called Nike's Big Bet. And it runs about an hour. And the idea here is, um, so Nike has what they call, I think it's called the Oregon, the Oregon program or the Oregon running program, where they basically, any anyone who's a runner uh, in any capacity, Olympic runner, marathon runner, that kind of thing, you can go and be a part of this elite group that's managed by Nike, where they'll train you. And basically their job is to condition you for the Olympics so that you win gold medals for America and Nike can put their thumbs up and go, we helped. Um, And they have a guy who's a former Olympic athlete himself who has been a part of their advertising campaigns like from the 80s and 90s. And he's like the main coach. And he really pushes the limit on what the athletes can do as far as training and what sort of equipment and what sort of medications or pills or drugs or tools or devices they can use to help with training that are not illegal. But often what happens is it's not that they're not illegal. It's a it's one of those things where 
hey, it's not in the rules that I can't do it, so we're going to do it. And then, of course, after his, his athletes do it and have amazing success and the review board comes back and they go, well, it's sort of implied that they shouldn't have been doing that. And you're sort of on the borderline of cheating. And he's like, hey, if it's against the rules, we won't do it. Put it in the rule book and say we can't do it. We'll stop. And so often what's happening is he comes up with all these crazy ideas, which end up giving his athletes a tremendous advantage. And then when it's put through some scrutiny, they have to change the rules to say, no, you can't do that. And so that's been a big part of his thing is is finding ways to give his athletes an edge. And then apparently in the last few years, there was uh, a bunch of allegations made against him uh, from former from former athletes who are like, he's been bullying us. He's been emotionally abusing us. I think there's even some some suggestions of sexual inappropriateness. Um, and so he's been banned from being a part of the the sporting world for like five years. And Nike was like, we believe him. He's been our guy for 20 years. We are 100% behind him. We're putting our big fat lawyers in his court. And uh, that's why it's called Nike's Big Bet. Because they are in bed with this guy figuratively uh, all the way. Whether or not he did anything wrong, who knows. But all the athletes that they interviewed in this thing are like, yeah, he emotionally abused us. But I knew that coming in. You know exactly how rough he's going to be. But I won three gold medals under him. So he got the results he wanted. So it was... It was an interesting discussion. Um, that one was called Nike's Big Bet. Next one I watched was, um, I just watched it last night. It's on HBO. It's called The Last Tourist. And it's sort of a bait and switch. This one I would not recommend. The idea is they're saying with so many people traveling to vacation spots now, because vacationing is so cheap and affordable, people can go anywhere in the world for very reasonable prices. And they're basically saying, um, People are going not to actually see the sites, but to get a photo of themselves in front of the sites that they can then put on social media. They're not appreciating the landscape. They're not appreciating the culture. And more importantly, they're not putting dollars into the economy to help the, those the, like a lot of the places that they go are very poor countries. And it's this this documentary where it talks about like how the vacation industry is actually destroying um ancient landmarks and ancient cultural sites and the, these poor countries where there's like all this tourism, the tourism is sort of set up in such a way that the money just stays with the touristy place and doesn't get distributed to the, the poor countries. The first 20 minutes of the doc is very, very interesting. The next hour is basically the equivalent of those commercials where they show you like abused animals on the screen and they play sad music and they go for a dollar a day, you can save animals. That's basically how the last half of this documentary feels. Uh, they're really trying to manipulate the audience. It's not to say that the message they've got isn't important, but that's not really how the movie was pitched in the trailer. So I didn't really care for it. Last doc, Tourist, pfft, thumbs down on that one. And finally, a really, really good one that I just watched on Netflix. It's called The Volcano, Rescue from Wakari. Wakari, I think that's how you pronounce it. And this is an island in New Zealand that's an active volcano where they do tours every day. You can go out and you can walk around. And unfortunately, in 2019, it, it erupted while people were on it. So the documentary is an hour and a half. The first half an hour, they sort of set up how it all works. And this is how our tours works. And this is how we had people going out to the thing. And these are all the, the tour guides. And then the next hour is like, boom, the volcano erupts. And here's the chaos that happened. And here's how the rescue happened. And here's who lived. And here's who died. And here's who got hurt. And they followed the story of like a bunch of the survivors and it's just 
amazing and shocking all at the same time. So that one's a two thumbs up for me. Definitely an A, The Volcano, the Rescue from Wakari. It's on Netflix. So three uh, three documentaries, one okay one, one crappy one, and one really good one. So with that, let's move on. Well, you know, you definitely started off season eight educating me on all this kind of new stuff. That's really great. But oh man, I got to do a lot of cool stuff over the holidays as well. So my wife and I tar- partook in our annual Christmas Eve tradition of watching Die Hard. Nice. It, it was awesome as always. And as I mentioned to you before Christmas, we always get together and we have eggnog with Kraken rum in it. Unleash the Kraken. So that was always, that was really good. We enjoyed doing that on uh, Christmas Eve. And then there's this TV station in Hamilton, Ontario, that's been showing old episodes of The Love Boat. Nice. <laughs> so needless to say, I filled up my PVR with old Love Boat episodes. Go figure. I already own all of season one and like half of season two on DVD. So like I started sort of with the second half of season two. The first episode that I watched was with Beth Howland. She played um, Vera on the TV show Alice. Okay. Remember, remember the opening credits with the box of the exploding straws? That was yes. yes. So so the, the episode that, uh, that I watched, she was on it and it also had Ken Berry. The guy, he was on Mama's Family, and then Nanette Fabre and Ethel Merman were on it. And then I was like to my wife, hey, that's Ethel Merman. And my wife is like, who the hell is Ethel Merman? I was thinking the same thing. I was telling my wife, okay, so I had to tell my wife about, and you're going to know this too. Remember the scene in the movie Airplane where they're in the asylum? She says, what's wrong with him over there? Oh, that's just so-and-so. He thinks he's Ethel Merman. And then he sits up, and it's really Ethel Merman. And she starts singing. She's like, you'll be swell. You'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. Start here. Start now. Honey, everything's coming up roses. And she gets like sedated. My wife just got up and left the room. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking the same thing myself. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So anyway, get to watch Airplane and you'll know who Ethel Merman is. And then there's one more thing I did. I watched the movie Top Secret. The Val Kilmer movie from 85. Nice. One of the funniest movies ever made. I forgot about it. That scene in the jail cell is like agent comes and he's like, I've tried everything. I've contacted the embassy, the German government, the consulate. I even talked to the UN ambassador. It's no use. I just can't bring my wife to orgasm. And Nick is like, have you tried one of these? And he reaches underneath his jail cell bed and pulls out this box. This is the intruder on it. My, and again, my wife is like, what are you watching? But no anyway, kidding. so that was me. Die Hard, The Love Boat, and Top Secret. Eight seasons and some things just never change, my friend. No kidding. Here's your dad joke of the week. Okay, so here's a dad joke for you. <laughs> this, this one's a little bit dirty, okay? <laughs> so Derek, what do you call a pirate that is on people? Jeez, I know I'm going to regret. I'm going to regret this, but I don't know, Chris. What do you call him? R. Kelly. Also, did you hear that R. Kelly and Fergie are collaborating on a new album? They call their group the. Jeez. A little Canadian show called Shit's Creek. You can say Shit's Creek, but you can't say. 
Wow, you are really dating yourself here, bud. Shit's Creek is awesome as shit. What are you talking about? Have you not seen Ryan Reynolds' film career? Apparently my son has no soul. Just let You're not recording this, are you? No, no, never. Like, that's, that's criminal. I know. <laughs> we basically have the same bone structure. From the waist up, I presume. Most people won't question it. It's all ball bearings now. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are now in our eighth season. Although a few more jokes like those last ones will probably end up in court. No kidding. So I like how we kick off season eight with like a record number of sensor beeps to start the show. That's just how we roll around here, Derek. So anyway, let's take a look back at 2022, the year in pop culture. Um, When you look back, Derek, at 2022, do you think there's one thing that stands out that sort of defines the year in regard to pop culture? What, if anything, do you think 2022 will be remembered for? You know? I think it'll I think it'll be remembered for the year Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. I agree with you. I mean, you know me. I mean, I don't really know much about new stuff, but I think that's the one thing that stood out. Like, Will Smith will never live that down. Nope. I, I think in years to come, people are going to look back on 2022. The number one thing they'd be let that Oscar slap. So, I mean, what did it do for his reputation in your mind? Uh, well, it certainly hurt him. I, I mean, whether or not he'll be able to bounce back from it, who knows? But uh, I mean, he had a movie come out uh, in December that n- nobody saw and nobody's talking about. I don't know if it's a good movie or a bad movie, because honestly, I haven't seen it either. But at the same time, I, I have no desire to see it. Most of the people I know have basically in their mind, they've canceled them. Like one of my one of my good friends said, uh, you know, uh, they hadn't had a chance to watch King Richard, which is the movie he won his Oscar for last year, even though they were interested in watching it. And they're like, nope. After that, they're like, I'm never going to watch it. In fact, I'm never going to watch one of his movies again. And it's like, you know what? I, I, I'm sort of there. It's like he's made a lot of entertaining movies, but it's it's sort of a hard watch. It's like going back and watching episodes of The Cosby Show. It's like, you know, they're good. They're funny. But knowing what we know now about uh, Bill Cosby, it's like it's kind of hard to watch some of those episodes. And I, I think that's how it's going to be with Will Smith. I think people are always going to be like, it's kind of hard to go back and watch that Men in Black movie. You know, it's a great movie, but, uh, you know, Independence Day, mm, knowing what we know now, it's it's tough. And I think that's going to follow him around for the rest of his career. Man, that's interesting because in some ways, like I agree with what you're saying. In some ways, I disagree because, I mean, like what Bill Cosby did way worse of course, of course, slapping, you know, uh, Chris Rock. But it's funny because, I mean, for so long, Will Smith was like just a golden boy. Like yeah. everybody loved him. I mean, when he was on Fresh Prince, like, I mean, he was so charismatic. You couldn't take your eyes off of him on screen, except maybe when Carlton was doing the dance, the dance or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like he was so amazing in that. And then he started making movies and every single movie he made, $100 million, $100 million. Yep. Even if he made crap, Wild Wild West was Hello, garbage. West. Yep. But it's $100 million. Everybody went to see it, you know? And now all of a sudden, like... But the thing is, Hollywood loves a comeback. Give them a couple years, and I'm sure, you know, they'll welcome them back with open arms. That's for sure. But any movies from 2022 that you want to... Like, sort of really that stood out to you that you want to kind of mention? Yeah, yeah. So I've sort of got a couple of groupings of movies. So, I mean, I think the the movie that's going to live on as being the movie from 2022 is Top Gun Maverick. It's yeah. okay. it's a movie that relied on practical effects. It's a movie that was pretty much ready to be released at the start of the pandemic. And the people that had made the movie refused to release it on home video. They absolutely wanted people to have the theater experience. They held the movie for over two years 
waiting for theaters to open up to the level where they felt they could get audiences. And man, oh man, did they get audiences. It made all sorts of money. It set all sorts of records. The fact that the movie was good and the fact that the movie appealed sort of from the nostalgia factor to our generation, but also appealed to the younger generation as well by putting in some hot young stars um, and by, by making a quality movie that's just a fun, entertaining action movie, um, I think that's going to be the movie people remember. Now, of course, the second Avatar movie just came out at the tail end of 2022. So we'll see how how big a, a, a splash that makes, pun intended. Um, so that'll certainly be in the discussion. And the other one, uh, again, depending on how the awards season rolls out, um, the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once was sort of the, the little movie that could, that sort of a came out of nowhere Nobody really knew much about it. It shows up. The word of mouth was fantastic. The critics' reviews were fantastic. The performances are fantastic. Uh, you've got a, a movie that's featuring an all-Asian cast, so you have this tremendous representation on screen that you don't normally see. And the movie was outstanding. Like, I can't wait to watch this one again. And it could very well contend for a lot of the major performing awards at the Oscars. It could. I. It'll probably be nominated for Best Picture. It'll probably be nominated for Best Director. I don't know if it's going to win those things, but those are sort of the three movies that I think are going to really, really stand out. I mean, there's a few other movies I want to talk about, but what are your thoughts before uh, before we sort of bounce Ooh, back? This, this might actually surprise you, but I actually went to the movie theater not once, not twice, but four times in 2022. Only once was for me. The other ones were for my kids. But here's what I saw. I went to see... Um, is it Spider-Man Far From Home? Is that the name of it? Yes. They all, they yes. all kind of sound the technically same. Technically came out in 2021, I believe, at the yeah. very end of December. But it, it but really... But I saw it last year. Yeah. Most yeah. people saw it in, in uh, 2022. Yeah. They all, it was very good. All of these Spider-Man movies now just kind of sound the same. It's like Spider-Man Homecoming, Away From Home, Far From Home. I don't know. But I'm actually going to hold out for Macaulay Culkin's return to acting with Spider-Man Home Alone. That's what I but, but anyway, you know, he, he like sets booby traps for the Green Goblin or something like that in Dog Hawk. But anyway, so I went to see that one with my son. I also went to see Sonic 2. My youngest son wanted to go see this. Mostly because it's like his favorite YouTuber is in it. Some guy named Preston. All he does is make like YouTube videos where he just plays Minecraft and yells. I cannot believe what passes as content these days. Although keep Says in the mind, guy who's put out eight seasons of content. Exactly. As someone who's put out eight seasons of content making R. Kelly jokes. So, but anyway, so Sonic 2, it it sucked really bad. And this yeah. dumb YouTuber that we had to go see, it was just in a cameo. Like he was only in a, he didn't even have any lines for crying out loud. So and then I also went to see Jurassic World Dominion because my kids wanted to go see it. It sucked. I'm, I'm like those two movie reviewers on In Living Color. Remember them? Damon Wayans yep. and David Alan Greer. Remember them? Yep. Men, Men on, on Film. film or, hated it. Hated it. Yep. So those are the three movies that I saw for my kids. But I but also went to the yourself. movies to see one for the old man. Back in September, they re-released in 3D and 4K the one and only Jaws. One of my three favorite films of all time, right. as you know. So me and my 13-year-old son went to see it. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had in a movie theater in my entire life. Nice. And I mean, I've seen Jaws 8 million times, but to see it on the big screen in 3D remastered, man, it was just such a different experience. 
probably one of the, the biggest highlights of the year for me from a pop culture perspective. So nice. So s- cycling back to movies for a couple of minutes. Um, this is also, uh, you know, now that we're sort of post-pandemic-ish, um, I mean, COVID is still a thing, but I don't think we're going to go into a full worldwide lockdown again, I hope, fingers crossed. Um, but during the pandemic, movies started getting released through the streaming services mm-hmm. as as sort of the first point of contact. And more and more people now are choosing to watch movies in their home, you can, uh, you know, here in Canada, we can rent them from cineplex.com. Movies that are coming out in the theater, we can rent and watch them from home without having to go to the theater. Or in some cases, they're coming out exclusively on streaming services. So I just talked about Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. It had a very, very, very limited theatrical release for like a week as sort of a gimmick and as a publicity stunt. But the vast majority of people are going to see this streaming. And so there's a handful of movies that came out. Uh, through the streamers that were that were noteworthy. So Glass Onion, we just talked about. Um, Disney Pixar put out a new one called Turning Red, um, which uh, got really good reviews. Uh, I mean, me personally, I didn't really care for it. But then again, I'm not a young girl, and I find that the stories that are designed for little kids don't really speak to me to the, the way they might have used to. Um, love how they featured Toronto in it though yes yeah believe me there's a lot to like about it and there were parts that I did like overall I I personally didn't care for it but I can understand why so many people do like it Mm -hmm. Um, there was a a sequel prequel I guess it was technically a prequel to the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Predator called Prey that came out it was a very popular action movie it was very well received it got very good reviews again debuted at home and then of course the Weird Al movie called Weird, the Al Yankovic story, came through on the Roku channel. That was the only way you could see it. So, like, this was a year when some movies that, like, there were a lot of movies that came out either exclusively on streaming or primarily on screening, on streaming that are going to be movies that will probably be around for a while, that people will go back and revisit, that, you know, will be noteworthy when they hit a fifth or a tenth anniversary. Um, I mean, there was a bunch of terrible movies that debuted on the streaming services, but that's just the nature of Netflix. Um, But I think that we're going to start seeing more and more real movies, critical movies, successful movies um, that are going to debut at home on the streamers. It's just, it's the new way of, of doing this business. I want to talk a little bit about TV. So as you know, I only watch old stuff for the most mm -hmm. part, but I got to say this 2022 was the year that I actually discovered Ted Lasso. This yeah, show, show is amazing. It is amazing. I, I've been waiting like crazy for for the third season to come out. I was hoping it was going to be out in the fall of 2022, but it's it's not out yet. I'm hearing rumors it might be out in the spring of 2023. Yeah, that's maybe. what I keep hearing too. Yeah, but I really hope that they end it after three seasons because I feel this is a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's like the perfect three-act play. Season one is the whole fish out of water thing, you know, with the team going down and being demoted. And then season two is all about character development, the team making their way back up to the elite league. And season three is like redemption or should be about redemptions and and then hopefully them winning it all, especially against big bad Nate. So for me, it's like a perfect package for a perfect story. I really hope they don't drag it out. You've watched it, right? Yeah, yeah, we had, uh, I think I mentioned this before, I had an Apple TV 90-day promo that I got last year at Christmas, and I just mm-hmm. binged as much Apple TV as I could, and uh, unfortunately, I was kind of hoping that that might work out again this way this Christmas, and I get another 90 days, but uh, not so much, but I think once Ted Lasso comes back on, I may have to just suck it up and pay for it. 
Yeah. Any other TV shows for you from last year? <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I want to start with um, uh, sort of just some noteworthy stuff, and then I'll talk about sort of some of my favorites. So this was the year when a lot of really big shows had their final season. And so you had uh, the final season of Ozark, which was its fourth season. You had the final season of Better Call Saul, was its sixth season. Um, the TV show, the remake of Westworld season four, it was their final season. Although they didn't know that when they were making it, they've announced that they're not going to pick it up. Uh, but the way the, the, the season four ends, you kind of got the sense that they knew that was a possibility. And one of the biggest shows that's been on TV for the last decade, the walking dead, the original walking dead TV show. I know there's a number of spinoffs still out there, but the original walking dead season 11, the final season. So you had these four massive shows that all hit their final seasons this year. And I think that's exceptionally noteworthy, um, just given mm. with, especially with Better Call Saul and Ozark, like those two shows have been nominated for awards up and down from the very beginning. Um, so it's always interesting to see when those like award darlings are no longer putting out content, what sort of fills that void so that it'll be interesting to see sort of what steps in there. Um, we also had some big, uh, big money put behind new shows so you had a new game of thrones spinoff house of the dragon the first season dropped and on amazon they did the lord of the rings the rings of power season one both of them tremendously expensive to make and produce um you know on screen you can see where the money went different reviews house of dragon got pretty good reviews lord of the rings got pretty terrible reviews so you know just because you throw money in it doesn't necessarily guarantee success um we had um shows like uh kids in the hall came back they got a new season one uh on netflix sort of a rebirth of their show um hbo had a uh introduction of a show called peacemaker which is a spinoff of the dc comics suicide squad movie starring john cena which was i think a surprise hit i mean i loved it and i think people were surprised how good it actually was um um and then there was a number of like decent limited series that came out. Uh, there's a really good one on Netflix called 1899. It's made by the same creators that did the show Dark. Um, there was uh, The Flight Attendant put out season two. Um, Tokyo Vice was a really good one. I think Miami Vice, like it's it's about uh, drug deals and uh, and the relationship between the police and the, the, the news reporters. Tokyo Vice was really good. Um, the Jack Reacher series just called Reacher. Uh, the first season of that was really good. So you had a lot of sort of new shows or or shows that are, you know, sort of younger shows. And then, of course, some of the ones that are my personal favorites um, that are noteworthy. The Boys put out season three. Super strong. One of my favorites from this year. Industry season two was fantastic. Uh, we got a spinoff of another spinoff of Star Trek called Strange New Worlds this is a spinoff of the um, Discovery series. Um, with uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike. That show, it was solid. Ten solid episodes, no no stumbles in that at all. And then, of course, we had Stranger Things Season 4, which was, uh, you know, a continuation of, of that story. It was pretty strong as well. And, of course, it reintroduced or even introduced the, the song Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush to a brand new audience. And then there's a song from the 80s that just shot to the top of the charts, you know, 30 years later, 40 years later. So a lot of a lot of decent TV out there. Believe me, there's also a lot of crappy TV out there, but a lot of noteworthy TV in 2022. So some people told me I needed to watch Severance. So I watched it and I, and I didn't like it. I thought it was slow and weird and kind of boring, but I will say, you know, you know, you know me, I don't watch anything new, but one thing I did discover in 2022 was the show Barry. Oh yeah. Super good. <laughs> so good. And of course it has my idol, Henry Winkler on it. So that's, that makes it already awesome in my eyes, but that show is like nothing else I've ever seen. It's like this black comedy, but it's like, 
Oh, it's just so cool. It's just so much going on in that show. Oh, yeah. So that, I will say that I did do that. I wanted to also mention this is a pop culture kind of thing that doesn't really fit into any other category. But the Wordle craze. Yeah, I got took that over here, too. Yeah. Now, I were you it. were you a part of this? Did, oh, you, yes. did you have the app? Every single morning I wake up, I come down, I have my coffee and I do my Wordle. And I'm very good at this. I love crossword puzzles and all that kind of stuff i think wordle is great i love it and i and it, it, the, the the genius thing about it is it allows you to share it you know with other people yeah. and try and compare so i thought that was good um but i did want to talk a little bit about music because it's not always my strong point but you brought up running up that hill yep. and back in 85 kate bush had a big hit with that song and but it was in in 2012 it was used during the summer olympics so it came became a big hit again you know, in England. But like you mentioned, like last year, they used it on Stranger Things, which which I don't watch anymore. I I watched the first two seasons of it. Season one was good. And then it just kind of dropped off for me. But I guess this was featured in a, an episode of Stranger Things this year. But it, it kind of made Kate Bush relevant again. You know, and the thing was, it was a bigger hit this time around than it was back in 85. Which I yeah, was absolutely. So, yeah, no. But also in music, I want to mention Kanye West. Because we have to. I, I think last yeah, year. I guess we have to. You know, this was the year that people finally realized that Kanye West is a completely unhinged lunatic. You know, I mean, first he's ye or whatever the hell. Then he's running for president. And then there's all that talk about Hitler and stuff. You know what I mean? I ain't saying he's a goose stepper. You know, but I mean, he was, he's crazy. You know, he is so, crazy sauce. Yeah. God, he's crazy. Um, any other, oh, one other music thing I should mention, because again, I don't listen to a lot of music, but my youngest son likes, I don't know the name of the band. I, you have to look it up, but they're like a, a Korean band or something. And they do this song called new kid on the block. Sure. And he listens to that thing over and over again. So I feel like I kind of know it. it's like new kid on the block, new kid, new kid on the block, new kid, new kid on the block. It's terrible. It's just a repetitive song, but that's my exposure to, to music from last year. So that's kind of anything other music, usually like in the music, but I like you like older music too, I guess. But yeah, this, so I didn't really, honestly, you know, uh, embarrassingly or not, I, I, I'm not really, I haven't really listened to much current music in the past year. Um, I usually pride myself very much on sort of keeping on top of trends. I don't want to be that guy. We all know a guy who's like, music was perfect when I was younger and everything after it is crap. Don't we, Chris? We all know a guy like that. Yeah, and his, and, his uh, name is Chris McBrien. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't want to call you out on that one, but I <laughs> sort of did. Um, I don't want to be that guy. And honestly, I, I enjoy a lot of the modern music that's still out there, largely because a lot of today's music is really borrowing heavily from what, what was popular before. It borrows from the 70s and 80s so much. So much of today's pop music, you listen to it and you're like, this could have been released in 1985 and it would have been a hit back then. And I think that that's good for someone like me who's like, well, you know, how is this relevant to me? It's all these songs about high school being difficult. It's like, yeah, kind of hard to relate with that one at the, this point in my life. But uh, no, not so much, uh, not so much with the music in 2022. There was um, a girl that was on American Idol a number of years ago, and her name was Jax. I always remembered her because I thought she was really, really good. And then this past year, she came out with a song called, um, oh, it was about, it was called Victoria's Secret, something like okay. that. And I heard it and my young, my, my son who's 13, he's like, oh, this is a really good song. And I listened to it and it's actually quite good. It's quite good. 
So I don't know. I would recommend that. So there's me recommending something new for you. I wanted you. to just kind of transition a little bit into some celebrities that we, we lost in 2022. I'd like to kick off with Barbara Walters. Okay. I mean, she's known for the Today Show and 2020 and, and those legendary celebrity interviews that she used to. She always seemed to be able to get people to cry. Remember, that was her big thing, yep. like Patrick Swayze and Tracy Morgan, even Ringo Starr. Like she made all these people cry. And then she started up that show, The View, which I'm not a huge fan of, but but she did all these things. But to me, I will always associate her with Gilda Radner on the original Saturday Night yep. Live yep. when Gilda spoofed her with that character, Baba Wawa. Basically making fun of the way the Barbara Walters used to talk because she used to always drop her R's and drop her L's when she spoke. And Gilda just nailed her. You know, she'd be like, this is Baba Wawa. Nice to see you. It's been a wee, 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 long time since we last spoke. You know, so I mean, just no matter what Barbara Walters did, and I mean, she did a lot, but I always think of Baba Wawa when I think of her. But any other, uh, any celebrities that stand out to you? Well, I mean, I, I've got a long there list a we can run down, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a few that uh, that take note. So I think one of the ones that um, that sort of affected me, uh, or that I, you know, felt like when a celebrity dies, you're like, it's always, it's unfortunate to hear that anyone died, right? Even if you maybe yeah. don't appreciate their work, or you don't care for their music, or you didn't think they were a great performer, you know, if if you know their family and loved ones are are obviously mourning the loss of that person. So from that point of view, you never want to be like, oh, I don't care that that person died. But then there's others where it's like, well, I may not have actually ever known or met this person, but the ones that you are a big fan of, when when you hear that they've passed, it it, it leaves a little, it leaves an impression. So for me, um, there's a couple like that. The first one is uh, Taylor Hawkins, who was the drummer mm-hmm. for Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died at 50. Um, it's, uh, they haven't really released the specific details, but the, the belief is that he overdosed after, uh, he had been, he had had problems with substances and then had been clean for a while. And then apparently he was back on the substances, but again, all speculative, but regardless of the reasons we lost him earlier this year, um, I'm a huge fan of Foo Fighters, the band. I'm a huge fan of Dave Grohl. I'm a few, huge fan of Taylor Hawkins. Um, and, um, I think that his death, although sad and tragic, really affected a lot of people because of how much it affected his good friend, Dave Grohl, who then put together the Taylor Hawkins tribute concerts in the UK and in Los Angeles, which were these huge musical spectacles where you had all these performers come out and, uh, and share stories about, uh, of their interactions with Taylor. And, and, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to really celebrate the life of, of this person who had passed and just the way that the tribute, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but I watched the the UK one and it, it they had uh, Taylor Hawkins' son is also a drummer. He's He's got to be in like his mid-teens. And so they even had him come out and do one of the songs with the band and they had a lot of guest performers. And you could really tell that the people that were there, it was a, a hugely emotional event for them, which in turn, as a viewer and as a fan, you really could get this sense of who this person was and it just made it even sadder that that this person had had is lost is 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 has passed away. So for me that was definitely the first one on my list. So one I want to mention is Bob Saget. And I love how his legacy was pretty much being in all this family friendly stuff like full house and America's funniest home videos. But in reality his stand up stuff was some of the rudest, crudest stuff you ever heard. 
He had this oh, yeah. whole other world about him, you know. He was known in the stand-up world as being really dirty. And then he goes and has his whole career as being this family-friendly guy. But uh, I remember when he died, I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's too bad. That's, that one got me a bit, so. Um, as a uh, as a fan of science fiction, um, the death of Nichelle Nichols was another yes. one that, that hit. Um, I, th- I mentioned earlier um, this year there was a uh, documentary I watched about her. And although I, I was familiar with her work as as a performer on, in the Star Trek franchise, and I know that she was uh, an advocate for women's rights and for um, opportunities for people of color, I really didn't have a firm understanding of just how important her role in those things in the U.S. was until I watched this documentary, especially her connection to NASA and the recruitment of astronauts of uh, various um, different backgrounds and ethnicities, uh, more women astronauts, things of that nature, that up until then, all the astronauts were straight white men and uh, due tremendously in large part to Nichelle Nichols' involvement. NASA was able to uh, at first narrowly open the door, but through the years, the door got blown wide open to to allow the literal best candidates to become astronauts. It didn't matter that you weren't a straight white man. If you were a person of color, a woman, um, you know, if you were gay, it, it didn't matter. If you if you had what it took to be an astronaut, you got to be a chance to be an astronaut. And and as much as I can appreciate and enjoy Nichelle's work as a performer, I think the longevity of her role as an activist and as someone who was able to present opportunities for, in this case, science and exploration and and the things that NASA has done over the years I think that that really to me is her legacy and I I really wish I understood that more when she was alive because I think I would have appreciated her that much more so that to hear that she had passed uh, was was tremendously sad but after learning even more about her afterwards it, it just made it that much more tragic so RIP Nichelle Nichols yeah and as much as Nichelle Nichols was a trailblazer like you said for for sort of for black women in Hollywood, um, someone who was a trailblazer for black men in Hollywood died last year. And that was Sidney Poitier. Absolutely. You know, he was the first African-American man to, to win the Academy Award for Best Actor for Lily is in the field back in 63. And he, like he was up against a pretty good competition that year, too. Like, like Paul Newman was in HUD and Albert Finney and Tom Jones, which won Best Picture and Best Director that year. So, you know, I think he was one of the the performers that really helped pave the way for black actors in Hollywood back in the 60s. And he was always so poised. He's such a respected guy. And some of his movies back then, like To Sir With Love, A Patch of Blue, so good. In in the heat of the night. In the heat of the night. Yeah. yeah, They called me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. You know, he, he was a very special, special actor for sure. The word, the word that always comes to mind when I think of him is class. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, there's a guy with class, with style, like with you, it, like he, to me, I mean, I always assume that he's the kind of guy that, you know, when someone's calling him names, he can just, you know, be the better man. And, he, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that in a lot of cases in his life, the prejudice was such that he probably had to be the better, bigger man, because if he wasn't, if he said what he wanted to say or reacted as he realistically should have been acting. He could have gotten in trouble simply because of the color of his skin. But man, oh man, talk about grace and class, style and poise. Like you can't say enough good things about Sidney Poitier um, and the, the, you know, the career he had, the life he had. And then later in his career, he went into directing. He directed Stir Crazy 
1980 with Richard right. Pryor and Gene Wilder, a right. personal favorite of mine, as you know. Indeed. Oh, he was yeah. he was awesome. Um, Irene Cara died last year, and uh, she was pretty young too. She was like 63 years old. Died of mm-hmm. unknown causes. They still haven't mentioned what she died. Of. Yeah, I mean, she did Fame and Flashdance, and, uh, and 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 of, of course she was, she was in the cab. yeah she was in that 80s mega hit. DC cab. Yep. You know, like you mentioned. So yeah, nice. uh, other celebrities that stood out to you last year that we, uh, let me, uh, so I'm, I'm going to step on your corner here a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Ivan Reitman, the yes. director, uh, well, so. writer and director. So I mentioned earlier tonight, I watched the movie legal Eagles directed by Ivan Reitman. Yep. I had no idea. Obviously he's probably most well known for directing ghostbusters, stripes, meatballs. Like those are probably the big three that are going to come to mind. Mm-hmm. But he also did producer Twins. of Animal House. You know, yeah, he, he directed the movie uh, Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He directed the movie Dave. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, you have not seen that movie, have you? No, I have not. But I want to mention also about Animal House. Like, not only was he the producer, he based that movie. He helped write it. He based that movie on his time that he spent in Hamilton, going to um, going to university at McMaster. Nice. So nice. Um, so yeah, uh, just want to mention him, but now I noticed, so when I was putting together my list of, of people who have passed, I noticed that I could sort of group them into, in a various category. So like we had uh, a few notable comedians that died. You mentioned Bob Saget. We also lost Louis Anderson. We lost Gilbert Godfrey and we, we lost one of the most, one of the most unique voices of all time. Like he had one of those voices that you hear his voice. You're like, okay, that's him. You just know it's Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Yeah. God, he had I mean, some good stand-up. I was stuff not back a big fan of his, but I can definitely oh, I, I knew a lot of people that were. He um, was on he was on the second incarnation of Saturday Night Live. So when Saturday Night Live came out with Belushi and Aykroyd and all them, and when they all went away, the first new cast, Gilbert Gottfried was on. Nice. Along with Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy and Julie Louise Dreyfus and stuff. But oh man, he was right. he was good. I liked him. Um, we had uh, a trio of people passed away that uh, are are probably going to be best known from your childhood. We lost the actor Tony Dow, who played Wally on Leave It to Beaver. Yep. Um, we also lost two long-standing performers from Sesame Street. We lost Bob McGrath, and yes. we lost Emilio Delgado, who was best known for playing Louis uh, Louis Rodriguez. Louis. Louise, pardon yeah. me, it's been a while. Yep. Um, and uh, so that that sort of you know. Hit me where I live. A lot of people were like, oh, right in the fields, man. Mm-hmm. So you, you know you're getting old when the people that were on Sesame Street when you were growing up are uh, are passing on. Uh, we lost a lot of musicians. Yes. Uh, yes. You mentioned Irene Cara. We also lost Coolio Meatloaf, who was only 74. We lost um, Andy Fletcher, who was the founding man member and keyboard player for Depeche Mode. We lost Olivia Newton-John, who's both a musician and a performer. Oh, not uh, only Grease. But the song physical, but a personal favorite of mine, Xanadu. Nice. Oh, man. Nice. Um, we lost the composer Vangelis, who did uh, Chariots of Fire, yep. and he did the, this score for Blade Runner. So, yeah, again, he won, uh, won the Oscar he, for Chariots of Fire. Yep. He had that, he was one hit wonder with the song uh, The Friends of Mr. Cairo uh, from the 80s, a little sort of obscure reference there. And then we also lost, and I had no idea this guy was even still alive, Jerry Lee Lewis died at 87. Honestly, I thought Jerry Lee Lewis died years ago. So I was a little surprised to see that he had made it all the way through to 2022. Good for him. But unfortunately, he passed as well. And then a um, couple of hockey players. You know, this wouldn't be a Canadian <laughs> podcast if we didn't bring hockey into it. So two hockey legends died this year. We lost 
New York Islanders great Mike Bossy, who was a part of their dynasty. He was only mm-hmm. 65 years old. Yeah. And we lost Guy Lafleur, legend of the Montreal Canadiens at 70. Yep. And I remember when uh, they did their tribute in, during the Montreal Canadiens game, they did a tribute to him uh, right after he passed. And the fans gave him a standing ovation and uh, was almost like 10 minutes long. Uh, honestly, I was clapping here in my house as well, and I gave him a standing ovation in my basement while I was watching. I didn't last a full 10 minutes, I'll admit it, but it was just amazing to see the the respect oh, and yeah. the admiration that the fans in Montreal had and still have for Guy Lafleur. So, you know, you really, you really forget sometime how important – role models especially like you know there's so many athletes these days but how many of the really great ones were role models uh, and heroes for so many people that when they pass it, it really has an impact on them so i remember being those- a seven-year-old kid growing mm-hmm. up in you know in, in ontario canada you had to like the maple leafs and i did i was a fan of maple leafs but my favorite hockey player was Guy lafleur Without the helmet and the hair, I was gonna say flowing. the hair. Oh, oh my geez. god, yeah, for sure. No, I, I Guy Lafleur was my favorite hockey player when I was seven years old. I remember that. Anything that you're looking forward to in 2023, Derek? Anything coming oh up that, that you're kind of um, is on your radar? I, you know, you're better in tune with this than I am, obviously. No, well, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see where the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes. Mm. Uh, as you know, I'm not a trailer yeah. person, so I, right. I do my best to avoid watching the previews because when i go to the theater i want it i want to be surprised i want every scene on the screen to be the first time i'm seeing it in the context of the movie it's from i don't want to know that oh well there's a trailer scene where this guy uh you know is speaking with this person so i know they're eventually going to be in a scene together so i know there have been some trailers and teasers already dropped for some of the 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 next upcoming movies but as a fan I want to see where they're going because it kind of feels like they're they you know what they did their Avengers Endgame, which wrapped up their giant ten year vision, and then the next three or four movies kind of felt like a little bit of a stumble. So I'm kind of hoping they find their footing, uh, which is to say, not to say that I'm going to stop going to see the movies. Uh, as a comic book nerd, I'm going to go to see every comic book movie, but I'm really hoping that they sort of stick the landing on this next one. So we'll see where that goes. And I'm kind of curious to see what happens with the next Avatar movie. Like mm. uh, the second one just yeah. came out and they're promising us that if it does enough business and it makes enough money, they're putting out part three because it's already been shot. So I'm kind of curious to see. I don't know if that's coming out in this year, 2023, or if they need another year to finish the post-production, but I'm kind of curious to see where it's going. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, other than that, there's nothing spectacular that I've got on the horizon. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm like, well, let's see what comes at me. I have a couple things I'm actually looking forward to in 2023, believe it or not. As I mentioned previously, Ted Lasso season three. I really want to watch that. But yep. another thing I mentioned, I want to see Jaws in the theater. And there seems to be this kind of trend in theaters now to release more old movies in like 3D and 4K and Titanic is coming up soon. Really? Yeah, they're going to be re-releasing Titanic in theaters and I said to my wife, I'd really like to take my son to go see Titanic on the big screen in 3D and and now he's 13 and she's a little hesitant because there's the whole scene, you know, the nude scene in it. Come on, what 13 year old boy hasn't seen boobs before? I know, well especially if you're like me growing up in the 80s but so, yeah. so I'm like, I really, I, I just I think he would just love it and he and he's very into history and stuff and I, I really think, I remember I went to see that movie multiple times in the theater in 97 when it came out and it was 
it was transformative for me. Like when you went to the theater, it was like you were taken to another world for three hours. Like it was just yeah. that good. It was that well done. Yeah, Cameron really knows how to. Oh man, it. I think I would. I'm really looking forward to seeing that in the theater. You know, in 3D, 4K. My wife's like, don't, don't take him. Take me. <laughs> we'll go see it together. You Probably. can all go. It's yep. there's lots of seats in the theater. Exactly. So anyway, so that, that's a pretty good look back on uh, 2022. A little bit of a look on ahead to 2023. But on that note, what do you say that we have some fun with Caveman? So Derek, what better way to kick off our eighth season than with a new game? Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen, name that tune. All right. So here's how this works. Okay. It's all about famous songs from movies. Okay. So I'm going to give you the song and you have to tell me the movie that it comes from. Right. Okay. Easy enough. Okay. But here's the twist. Yeah. That's what I'm waiting for. (laughs) And and I want to give a shout out to our good friends over at the vintage video podcast. They inspired me on this one. So here's the twist. I have to sing all the songs to you. Oh man. So so this is gonna make can, it even, I, can I just take the zero up front? No. <laughs> it's gonna make it it's gonna make it so hard because you have to get some because I'm such a singer. Oh, so this is gonna get very bad very quickly. Okay. So here's how it is. I I'm gonna sing you a song and you have to name the movie that the song comes from. All right. If I name the song fast enough, will you stop singing? Or do I have to wait for you to sing the whole song? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, I got to compose myself here. I got a lot of singing to do here, okay? okay. Tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition. Yawning, stretching, trying to come alive. Jump That's in nine the to five. Yes! <laughs> what a way to make a living. I, nine to five. I think it's better for me to let you sing so that it's going to be harder for you to get through them all. <laughs> right. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Wizard of Oz from 1939. Very good. Now, I've had the time of my life. I never felt this way before. Dirty dancing. Well... Right. See, you're just kicking butt on this, right? Oh, man, you thought it was so... Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Music loud and women warm. I've been kicking since I was born. Now it's all right. It's okay. You may look the other way. We can try to understand the New York Times effect on man. Whether you're a uh, brother or whether you're a mother, fever. you're singing yes. a <laughs> I almost said stay alive. I'm like, no, no, that's the name of the song and the sequel, but not the one you're looking for. Rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Rocky three. Yes. Good. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Fame. Remember, remember. Very good. All right, fame. Yes. All right, here's one. 1989, the number. Another summer, sound of the funky drummer. Music hitting your heart because I know you got no soul, brothers and sisters. 
Hey, listen, if you're missing y'all, swinging while I'm singing. Giving what you're getting, knowing where I'm going. Your black hands are sweating, rhythm rolls are rolling. Got to give us what we need. Got to give us Do what the right we want. Thing. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to make you suffer through it a little longer. <laughs> okay. Very good. All right. Once in your life, you'll find her. Someone who turns your heart around. Next thing you know, you're closing down the town. It's Arthur. You don't even like that movie. I know you know it. No, but I love the song. Oh, good. Well, I love the original. Let me let me just be clear on that. <laughs> not my Chris McBride cover, not so much. Not so much, right? You better lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. The opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Eight mile. <laughs> Just you, you are the worst rapper. I know, I'm terrible. That's why I let you go all the way through on those ones. <laughs> all right. No New Year's Day to celebrate. Jeez. No chocolate covered candy hunt. Is that from the woman in red? Give away. <laughs> yes, you got them all. You got all 10. Even with my horrific. Horrific well, singing. You pick you pick some pretty easy songs. Well, yeah. uh, I, I like I like where this is going though. I think it, down the road when we have another mm. one of these and it's my turn to the trivia, I'll I'll do the singing for once. You have mentioned and, that before. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm gonna sing some songs. I, I, figure, you're uh, never I, I shouldn't be the only one that has to suffer through it. So you never uh, ever yeah. sing. You're never gonna sing. That's for sure. But you got all ten of them. So wait. Yay! So, I'm like. Yeah. So I just recently this week I've been listening back to a couple of the old episodes and I listened to the one we did a couple of weeks ago where you did the over and under the movie and I went one for twelve or something. Yeah, that was. It awesome. was like I think it was a comfort movie one. I was just like, oh my god, that was the the worst trivia I've done. Ever. Well, so you redeemed I, yourself this week. You I got all 10. This, yeah, I needed to go 10 for 10 just to bounce back. So. Even with bad singing, you know. <laughs> They're putting me on the spot here, too, making these sing these songs. <laughs> like, what the heck? You think you're getting away easy? Oh, my gosh. All right. So, uh, congratulations. You did well. We are now, we've now kicked off season eight. That's awesome. So, next time we're going to come back and we're going to do like, you know, one of our topics. We'll do like a top five list or something like that. That's for sure. Kicking off season eight. Not too bad. Strong start. Let's yeah. uh, let's see how many. Chris, do you know off the top of your heads how many episodes did we do last season? Uh, like a forty-three, something like that. Off let's, the top of my let's, head. let's see what we can do to at least match uh, match that. We want to make sure we got consistency. We had a few weeks off. Let's uh, let's make sure that we get every week we get a show out for the next little while here. So keep Absolutely. the listeners going. Right back to the routine. You quality betcha. program, quality entertainment, lots of fun. We look forward to uh, doing the shows, and we hope everyone keeps listening. So yeah, welcome that- back, everybody. Back to the top, just like we said, you're just pumping out that great content, you know, with all those dirty jokes. Although I'll try, try to tone those down as much as I can. Until then, this is Chris McBride on behalf of myself and Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.